This is News To Go, your daily news podcast featuring news from various news outlets, heard via our Anchor podcast app and playing on iRadio daily until mid-afternoon. Now the news. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. President Biden's added a stop in Poland to his upcoming trip to Europe later this week. He'll be talking with NATO and European allies. He's going to first fly to Brussels, then travel to Poland, where he'll meet with leaders there. Poland's been one of the most vocal countries in asking fellow NATO members to consider getting more involved to rein in the bloodshed. NATO General uh, Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg tells NBC's Meet the Press Sunday one of the things that will be discussed with President Biden will be how to deal with Russia going forward. Regardless of how this conflict now ends, we are faced with a new uh, reality, a new security reality, where Russia more openly Mm -hmm. contests core values for our security and are willing to use military force uh, to achieve uh, its objectives. And therefore, we need to reset our deterrence and events. Meanwhile, Russian troops stepped up their bombardment of Mariupol with Ukrainian officials saying a strike flattened an art school used as a shelter by hundreds of civilians. Also at SRNNews.com, fire crews from dozens of cities continue battling several wildfires about 100 miles west of Fort Worth, Texas. Governor Greg Abbott issued a disaster declaration, and a number of communities have issued evacuation orders. One fatality is a veteran's sheriff's deputy died while trying to save several residents from one of the blazes. Justice Clarence Thomas has been hospitalized because of an infection. The Supreme Court says the 73-year-old Thomas was admitted to a hospital in Washington, D.C. on Friday after experiencing flu-like symptoms. The court, which waited two days before disclosing the information, said Thomas is being treated with antibiotics. News of his hospitalization came hours before the Senate Judiciary Committee's opening day of Supreme Court confirmation hearings for Katanji Brown-Jackson. Greg Clugston. Washington. A violent weekend around the U.S. This is SRN News. Cohabitation may not be as popular as it once was. A new poll from the Pew Research Center finds that 24% of respondents think people living together without the benefit of marriage is bad for society. That's not an overwhelming number, but it's up five percentage points from 2018. The study also reveals that Americans are concerned about single women raising their children alone. 47% say it's bad for society now compared to just 40% four years ago. Older people and Republicans feel most strongly about those issues. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Guatemala's Congress voted to shelve a law stiffening penalties for abortion, prohibiting same-sex marriage, and banning discussion of homosexuality in the public schools. The body acted last week just days after it passed the bill by a wide margin. Under the legislation, Guatemalan women convicted of terminating their pregnancies would have faced sentences up to 10 years rather than the current maximum of three. This is SRN News. Turning our attention to the Northwest in the last frontier, Alaska has some major issues they need to address. Simmering public anger in Juneau over the legislature's failure to settle the state's most radioactive issue, just how big a check residents should receive from the state's oil wealth fund, is nevertheless colliding with a once-a-decade opportunity for political activists the chance for voters to call a convention to amend that state's constitution. Now, the frustration over the oil check question does provide a so-called tailwind for groups seeking to change the constitution, 
to address a number of topics, such as restricting abortion and altering the process for selecting state judges. Jason Walker reporting. Be sure to check out more details at srnnews.com. I'm Ron DeRockstra. This is Olivia. Here is your very wet weekly forecast from the National Weather Service. Monday mostly sunny, with a high near 69. Southwest wind 5 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Monday night a 20% chance of rain after 2 a.m. Partly cloudy, with a low around 46. South wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tuesday rain, mainly after 8 a.m. High near 55. Southeast wind 10 to 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Tuesday night rain. Low around 48. Southeast wind around 15 miles per hour, with gusts as high as 25 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 90%. New precipitation amounts between a quarter and half of an inch possible. Wednesday rain likely before 11 a.m., then showers likely between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after 2 p.m. High near 62. Chance of precipitation is 80%. New rainfall amounts between a quarter and half of an inch possible. Wednesday night showers and possibly a thunderstorm before 8 p.m., then rain likely, mainly after 2 a.m. Low around 39. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Thursday rain likely, mainly before 2 p.m. Mostly cloudy, with a high near 43. Chance of precipitation is 60%. Thursday night a chance of rain before 11 p.m., then a chance of rain and snow. Mostly cloudy, with a low around 35. Chance of precipitation is 30%. Friday a slight chance of rain and snow before 8 a.m., then a slight chance of rain after 2 p.m. Partly sunny, with a high near 47. Chance of precipitation is 20%. D&M Resale Shop locates at 915 Baldwin Street Unit 1 in Elkhart is your unique store that is just like a garage sale, but inside a store. Great items for you and your home. It's a store of love run by a local pastor. D&M Resale is open Tuesday through Fridays 11am to 4pm and Saturdays 10am to 2pm. For more information, call 219-229-1220. That's D&M Resale Shop in the City with a Heart. Welcome to 2022 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. What will be left of our cities in Ukraine after this terrible war? With advances by the Russian military driving up casualties, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky addressed the Israeli parliament Sunday. Speaking through a translator, Zelensky questioned Israel's reluctance to sell its Iron Dome missile defense system to his nation. The Ukrainians have made their choice eight years ago. We saved Jews, and this is why the Israeli people now need to choose to make a similar decision. Zelensky said he's ready to negotiate with Russian President Vladimir Putin, but cautioned that failed attempts at a truce between the countries could lead to a third world war. U.S. officials warn Russian steps that would limit travel by some civilians there could evolve into what amounts to concentration camps. 
As the first and only Ukrainian-American in Congress, Representative Victoria Sparks of Indiana argues that the U.S. and its allies have a responsibility to help. Ukrainians fight in this war for all of us, for the peace in the world, for world order, and really, you know, they're bastion right now of freedoms that they're on the front line. President Joe Biden is expected to rally support for Ukraine when he meets with NATO this week in Belgium. The Securities and Exchange Commission is expected to propose new rules today that would require companies to disclose their contributions to greenhouse gas emissions. Many companies already acknowledge the impact of climate change, but some fear such mandates could leave them open to liability lawsuits. Confirmation hearings begin today for Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson, who could become the first black woman to sit on the nation's highest court. Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin will preside over the hearings. Just as impressive as Judge Jackson's record is her character and temperament. Humble, personable. She's dedicated herself to making our legal system more understandable and more accessible. Durbin is also pushing back against accusations that Judge Jackson has been lenient on sentencing sex offenders, claiming the allegations are not credible. In election news, the New York Times found that under a restrictive new law, 18,000 Texas voters had mail-in ballots rejected during this month's primary. The Times found the rejections were most common in black neighborhoods. Missouri's election maps aren't ready. They've been delayed by redistricting battles, and the filing deadline for candidates is a week from tomorrow. Cape Girardeau County Election Supervisor Alan Seaball says right now, Voters and candidates might not even know what district they're in. We want to get changes made to our voter registration system so that all voters are assigned to the correct districts so that whenever they go to vote on August 2nd, we know which ballot to give them in correlation to where they live. Funeral arrangements haven't been announced for Alaska Congressman Don Young, who passed away late Friday. The 88-year-old Republican was the longest-serving member of Congress and was a strong advocate for the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Looking for just that neat item? Can't find it anywhere at the big stores? Well, drop by B4 Retail Discount Store located at 23440 US 33 in Dunlap South of Elkhart. They have items at reduced prices. Hey, they're on Facebook too. Open Monday through Friday 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and weekends 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's B4 Retail Shop here in Dunlap. For Feature Story News in Beijing, I'm Patrick Falk. Ukraine has rejected a deadline set by Russia for its forces to lay down arms in the besieged city of Mariupol. Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister Iryana Vershuk said there can be no question of surrender. Earlier, a Russian official said in a briefing that a terrible humanitarian catastrophe has developed in Mariupol and that all who lay down arms would be guaranteed safe passage out of the port city. Reports say many of its 400 residents are trapped with little food, water or power. Meantime, U.S. President Joe Biden is expected to hold a call with European leaders to discuss a coordinated response. Hong Kong is lifting flight bans and easing strict COVID-19 quarantine measures for incoming travellers as part of efforts to gradually return the city to normal life. Hong Kong is battling its worst ever virus outbreak, but the government says the situation is now under control. Richard Kimber reports from Hong Kong. From April the 1st, Hong Kong is planning to scrap a ban on flights from nine countries, including the US, Australia and the UK, and reduce the mandatory hotel quarantine for incoming vaccinated travellers to one week. Initially, only Hong Kong residents will be allowed in, but the plan is to open that to all vaccinated visitors if there's no rebound in daily case numbers. The city is showing signs of recovering from its most serious COVID-19 outbreak. More than 5,000 people have died in the past few months, and more than a million have been infected. 
The government says the situation is still severe but is improving enough to start relaxing the rules. Critics say the moves are too little, too late, and that the city should open up more quickly to allow business and daily life to recover and to restore Hong Kong's image as a finance and transport hub. The United States is formally declaring that alleged violence committed by Myanmar's military against the country's Rohingya minority amounts to genocide and crimes against humanity. A Reuters report says Secretary of State Antony Blinken will outline the decision on Monday at the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington. From Washington, Benji Hire has the details. It's a long-anticipated designation by the Biden administration, one that does not signal drastic new measures against Myanmar's sanction-hit government, but one that could lead to further international pressure on the regime, which is already facing accusations of genocide at the International Court of Justice. Myanmar's armed forces launched a military operation in 2017 that forced at least 700,000 of the mainly Muslim Rohingya from their homes. A United Nations fact-finding mission concluded the military's campaign did include genocidal acts. Last year, the army seized power in a coup it denies committing genocide. Mr Blinken's predecessor, Mike Pompeo, declined to make a determination on the atrocities. It's left to the current Secretary of State to take that step, when he'll also announce $1 million of additional funding for the Independent Investigative Mechanism for Myanmar, a UN body gathering evidence for potential prosecutions. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Today, looking at the impact of Russia's war in Ukraine on two countries that have been mooted as possible mediators in the crisis, Israel and Turkey. Both have good relationships with Russia and Ukraine, and certainly Israel has a positive relationship with the United States, while Turkey is a member of NATO. And yet, says analyst Stephen Cook of the New York-based Council on Foreign Relations, for both countries... It's complicated. Countries like Israel and Turkey have to walk a very fine line because Russia is the kingmaker in Syria and controls Syrian airspace. So if, for example, the Turks want to attack Kurds in northeastern Syria, they need the assent of the Russians. And so if they come out so strongly opposed and in condemnation of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, they fear that their airspace will get shut down. The same thing with the Israelis against the Iranian presence in in Syria. So instead of strong condemnations, what they have sought to do is play a mediating role. The question is whether the Russian government is actually interested in mediation or they are entertaining the Turks and the Israelis for different reasons. There are other potential mediators out there, including, if it wanted to get involved, China. Close, of course, to President Vladimir Putin, but also prominent in Ukraine, which is part of Beijing's Belt and Road Initiative. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks. Here are the headlines again. Ukraine has rejected a deadline set by Russia for its forces to lay down arms in the besieged city of Mariupol. The U.S. is set to formally label violence committed by Myanmar's military against the country's Rohingya minority as genocide and crimes against humanity. And Hong Kong will ditch flight bans from nine countries and reduce quarantine time for incoming travellers following outcry over poor handling of its COVID-19 outbreak. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend. Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. If someone were to ask me, Joel, what is it about this God of the Bible that makes him different from the gods of other religions? I think I might read to them from Psalm 68. 
because it is quite startling. Listen. May God arise. May his enemies be scattered. May his foes flee before him. May you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire. May the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain, before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it. And from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. I'll stop there. At God providing for the poor from his great bounty. Doesn't that seem to contrast terrifically with how Psalm 68 first described God? God was terrifying, scattering his enemies, blowing them away like smoke, melting the wicked like wax. He was an awesome, almighty God you don't want to cross. And yet, he is also a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He finds families for those who are lonely. And picture this, a God who leads the prisoners out with singing. Imagine such a God who leads a bunch of smiling men in orange suits in an amazing grace hymn sing. Joel, what is the God of the Bible like that makes him worth committing your life to? My friend, he is a God both mighty and meek. A God who doesn't fit into any of our nice and neat categories. Let me help us recapture the original scene. You see this phrase, Arise, O God, and may your enemies be scattered. Well, that was what the great man Moses used to say before the Ark of the Covenant would be lifted up and the people of Israel would begin to march through the desert. Can you imagine this golden ark, the one place on earth where the presence of God was pleased to dwell? This golden ark at the head of a massive congregation of joyful, happy, singing people. And by massive, I mean 600,000 men alone, not counting the women and children. God marching in front of this huge host causing the earth to shake and the heavens to rain. Well, and actually, let's consider this army, an army of former prisoners, slaves in Egypt once, but God had crushed the wicked Pharaoh and his army. He gathered up this pitiful group. And imagine what 400 years of whiplashes, nonstop work without a day off, the constant killing of your babies, Imagine what 400 years of this kind of slavery would do. The PTSD, the trauma, the anxiety, the backs bent over. But here is a God who cares enough to rescue and to go before them so that they could be confident no one would ever get away with hurting them again. The God of the Bible is the God who can and will deal with all the enemies far too great for his own people. A God who has a heart for those who've gotten the short end of the stick those who will never amount to anything in the eyes of most people. The God of the Bible, he invests in them. He provides for their needs 
He even makes his home with them. The God of the Bible is one to be feared, but only if you choose to rebel against him. If you choose to live in his world and view all your possessions as yours and not care for the needy, or worse, if you oppress and burden those who are weak so that you might flourish, you will discover how ferocious he is. But to those who wonder, who am I that God would care for me? Well, my friend, Psalm 68 reveals a God with a tender heart, the tender heart of a loving father who once delivered his people out of slavery, marched in front of them as he led them to the promised land. A picture that gets fleshed out when the word becomes flesh. And Jesus came and showed us the father's heart by taking up a cross in order to deliver us from all our true enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and by his resurrection has marched in front of us so that we will reach heaven. Our God, he's mighty and meek, ferocious and fatherly. He is great and good. That is the God of the Bible, my friend, and he cares for you. Remember who you are and who you belong to. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend.